0: Well, I'm so glad to have all of you with us today at all of our different live churches and those of you in our extended network church family. Uh, We're also grateful for uh, those of you from all over the world joining us right now at Church Online. You are here for the first of a four-week message series called Altar ego based on my brand new book you may look at it and say uh, is altar misspelled? Uh, actually this is um, on purpose AlTAR uh, if you know anything about the Old Testament or maybe about history, you'll know that for centuries and centuries a alt an altar and this kind of represents our altar is a place where believers will sacrifice, something meaningful before God or lay something down before God at an altar. Uh, If you know what an ego is, an ego is who we think we are, uh, who we believe we are. Unfortunately, some of us uh, think too highly of ourselves. Some think too lowly of ourselves. And what we wanna do over the next four weeks is we wanna lay down our ego, what we think of ourselves at the altar of God so that we will not be who we think we are or we won't be who others think we are but we wanna become who God says we are. So let me show you what we're going to lay down over the next four weeks and so you can be uh, preparing your hearts and your egos to lay these things down before God. Uh, Today what we're gonna talk about is laying down our feelings of inadequacy. We all have those feelings of inadequacy. We're going to give those to God um, by faith at his altar. Next week, we're going to lay down our need for control. Um, if you're sitting next to a control freak, um, urge your, your desire to control them and point to them right now uh, because we all battle with these different urges to control things. It's really a lack of faith and gets us in trouble. The third week I think will be my favorite of the four. Um, we're going to lay down our right to be offended. We actually live in a culture where people feel like it's their right to be offended, and many people search for even reasons to be offended. We want to be upset because our ego needs that feeling of strength. And then the fourth week, we're going to lay down our longing for approval. So many of us, we are so driven by what other people think, and we know the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us is to become obsessed with what people think about us. Today, to start off alter ego, we're going to talk about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. And I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me how quickly I can feel incredibly inadequate. Maybe it's comparing myself with someone that's Uh, financially successful, and I think, what's wrong with me? Why do they have this? Maybe you drive by one day a really nice neighborhood of homes, and you go, what do those people even do for a living? I mean, I'm so stupid, I don't even know what they do, and, and I feel inadequate because I don't measure up. Or you go to a friend's house, and her house is perfect. You walk in, and it smells good. Here smells like... Laundry, and her smells perfect, and you walk in and, and the, the food is served on time, and her hair's done and her nails are done, and you love her because she's your friend, but you hate her because she looks perfect, you know and why can't I live up to that? And, or maybe you're a student, and you know your best friend is, is smart and popular, and you study your buns off and make B's and C's, and your friend doesn't even study. And makes A's and you go to the dance alone and your friend has seven invitations to the stupid dance. You know, you're like, what's wrong with me? Why, why don't I uh, measure up like this? Or sometimes, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I've felt spiritually inadequate at times. You're if you're a Christian, you're around like super Christian, you know, and you just bring up something and they're like, oh yeah, that reminds me of 2 Chronicles 12, 14. And then they quote it and you're like going, how do they do that? Is, is that a book in the Bible? I think it is. I'm not even sure, you know. Or they they pray, and they're like, their prayers, you know, you can just tell God's like going, whoa, that's a good prayer. And then they ask you to pray, and you're like, oh, I don't want to pray. Oh, I'm unholy. And okay, I'll pray. Rub-a-dub-dub. God bless this grub. Amen. How is that? You're like, I suck as a Christian, you know. I feel so inadequate. Uh, if you feel that way, I totally and completely relate, I, I think um, for me, I've always felt like I had to prove myself uh, by trying to perform up to some standards because I never felt good enough myself. Um, as a young adult, I don't think I ever felt more inadequate when I held my, um, my firstborn daughter, Katie, when she was just you know, a few hours old. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't have what it takes. Like, I'm, I'm going back and I'm thinking, okay, I just gave back my dog to the previous owners, because I couldn't handle the dog, okay? I've killed every house plant I've ever touched, and now there's a human being there, and I just remember the sense of overwhelming inadequacy. And then you add to it what I do for a living, and you wouldn't believe how, how inadequate I feel to be a pastor. I mean, from day number one, I don't feel good enough, I don't feel holy enough, I don't feel like I know enough, and I'm overwhelmed with these feelings of inadequacy. Why do we all battle with our ego and these beliefs of inadequacy? Let's just build a quick foundation, and then we're gonna look at the story of Gideon to help him help us lay down our eagles so we can become who God calls us to be. Why do we feel inadequate? I see three quick reasons. There are more, but these are my top three picks. Number one is we've received unfair criticism. Somewhere along the way in your life, someone told you, you don't measure up, you don't have what it takes. I don't like you, I wish I never had you, you're pathetic, you're never going to amount to anything. I wish you were more like so-and-so. And And internally, those messages have been burned on the hard drive of your ego. And anytime you want to do something significant, you just hear those old messages replaying and they tap into your inner me that says, I am not inadequate or capable to do this. Second reason a lot of people don't think of, number one, is we receive unfair criticism. Number two, we receive unrealistic compliments. Unrealistic compliments. You're the best! You're amazing! No one's as good as you! And inside we're going, you don't know me! I'm not that good. I'm not that amazing. And it's my theory that we've really done a disservice to the emerging generation that I love so much, the now 20-somethings who we've told, you're good at everything. You know, back back in the day when I was growing up, I mean, you actually had to be good at something to win an award. you remember that? You had to win to get a trophy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, he had to win. Now, he was like, show up. Here's your trophy, kid. You did great. You know? And, and uh, I mean, we used to have to graduate 12 grades to graduate. Now they graduate kindergarten. You know, way to go. You got through kindergarten. Woo, And so what we do is we tell them, you're amazing. You're the best. You're the, and internally, they're going, I don't feel that good. And here's where people think I am, and here's where I think I am. Therefore, now we have a whole generation that's paralyzed with the fear of failure. I don't even want to try because if I try, I may not be good enough because you think I'm up here, but I know the real me, I feel incredibly inadequate. A third reason that is becoming even more uh, common, unfair criticism, unrealistic compliments, Uh, the third one is unwise comparisons. We just look around at other people and say, you know, I, I'm not like them. I'm not as attractive or I'm not as bright or I don't have the fruits of the Spirit like other Christians. In fact, I read an article that said um, social media is now one of the greatest causes of feelings of inadequacy because you upload your picture of your peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner and then you look at your friend's picture of lobster with her new wedding ring right by it, sitting on the beach in Hawaii, and you're going, My life sucks. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't go on vacations, and I don't have movie star friends. And, you know, I've only got 172 followers on Instagram, and he's got 912. I don't have friends. I'm a loser. And what, uh, what my friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick, says, he says, We compare others' highlight reels with our behind the scenes. We look at the highlight reels of everybody else's life and we know the behind the scenes. We see them with their kids and their kids look perfect and we know we just yelled at our kids and their socks don't even match and we're out in public. (laughs) We see them worshiping in church and we know our internal doubts. They look all beautiful and put together and we don't like things about our appearance. We feel very inadequate. We're comparing our behind the scenes with their highlight reels and suddenly our ego starts to tell us what we're not when God wants to tell us what we are. Let's look today at the story of Gideon, Judges chapter 6 uh, verses 11 through 16. I'll read it and add some commentary and then we'll break it down and let God help us lay down our ego on the altar so we can become who he says we are. Let's start in verse 11. Uh, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. She's been around for a really, really (laughs) long time. Uh, (laughs) Sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abysserite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Press the pause button. Uh, what was Gideon doing? Everyone would know that anyone responsible threshes wheat out somewhere up high so that when they throw it up, the wind would blow the chaff away and the purest of the wheat would be left. And yet Gideon was in a wine press hiding because the bottom line was he was afraid of his enemy, the Midianites. He was very, very afraid. He was trying to keep the wheat for himself. He was terrified of the enemy. And this is what the angel says to him. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is what? All of our churches say it aloud. You all in Florida, give me some help. He said, the Lord is with you. And then what did he call him? He called him a Mighty warrior. If I would have been there, I would have told the truth. I would have said, the Lord is with you. Mighty wuss. You're hiding. You're a punk. You're scared. You're scaredy cat. But the Lord saw something in him that he didn't see in himself. Verse 13, Gideon replies, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midian the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you, God asks. Now in verse 15, we're gonna see whenever God calls you, empowers you, leads you to do something. Your external enemy will tell you what you're not, and your internal inner me will often play the negative messages that your ego has been conditioned to approve. Gideon says this, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. You might say it this way, well, I'm not talented enough, and I'm not good on stage, or I can't sing, or I'm not that bright, or I'm not as godly, or if you knew all that I had done, or I don't look like her, or I'm not as talented as him, and all of the inner me messages try to tell you why you can't do what God already said you could do. Verse 16, the Lord answered with the key to the whole message and said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites Together, What are we gonna do? We're gonna lay down our ego at the altar of God because we are not who we think we are, we're gonna become who God says we are. Three things you need to know about you from the story of Gideon. The first thing, if you're taking notes, when your inner me voices those messages of insecurity and inadequacy, number one, remember that God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. I promise you that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon who is hiding. Everything about his physical action says, I'm afraid. But the Lord says, I am with you and calls him a what? Calls him a mighty, warrior. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. I love when I watch God um, establish these principles in Amy's life. She um, was an elementary ed major in um, college and then uh, was a teacher. And when we met, uh, we fell massively in love, like this. And while we were engaged, it's the craziest thing, before we were even married, she came to me and said, I really feel like one day when we have children that um, we're supposed to home educate our kids. Now, I was a public school kid. I didn't know any homeschool people. What I thought of them was dorky. And so if I knew any, I would have made fun of them. We ended up home educating our kids to this day. I make fun of homeschool kids, why? Because it's fun, and they deserve it. And what's funny is they laugh when I make fun of them. Why? Because they're homeschooled kids. And so she presents this idea to me, and the craziest thing is, even though like, I'm borderline against it, almost immediately something internally said, this is right. And so we just, without knowing anybody, we started investigating and praying about it. And almost immediately after she said, this is what I feel called to do, um, I saw the greatest sense of insecurity rise up with an Amy. She's like, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I'm not good enough. And she's like, I barely made it through algebra one. I gotta teach algebra two as well one day. And there was this massive sense of insecurity. She's like, I'm not organized enough, and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna be good enough. And what's really, really cool is that God's view of her was massively different than her view of herself. Now six kids and graduating our second this year, that much time has gone by, and this woman who was scared to death that she wouldn't be good enough is now quite humbly, and she wouldn't say this, but I'll tell you, she's known throughout our country as one of the foremost experts in home educating. Why? God saw something inside of her that she did not see in herself. And I want you to know, for every single one of you, God's view of you is different than your view of yourself. Someone told you you can't or you won't, or that inner me said, here's all the reasons I can't do what I believe God is calling me to do. But God's view of you is different than you think. I love the way uh, it's worded in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says, for we are God's what? Everybody help me out. What are we? We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he prepared and planned for us long ago. Do you realize that long before you were even born, God had a heavenly to-do list just for you, and God created you with everything in you to do everything that he called you to do, God's view of you is different than you think. Others don't even see you as God sees you. I love the stories in scripture when everybody else looked at Rahab in the Old Testament. What did they see? They saw a prostitute. They saw a harlot. What did God see? God saw someone whose heart would be turned toward him who would one day marry a godly man named Salmon who then would give birth to generations that through her genealogy would come Jesus, the savior of the world. Others saw a prostitute, but God saw divine potential. When others looked on at David as a child, they saw a little shepherd boy. God saw something in him that they didn't see. God saw a warrior able to stand up to a a giant. Whenever David sinned and fell, as we all do, others saw an adulterer. What did God see? A man who sought after the heart of God more than anything else. When Peter messed up again and again and again and again and couldn't seem to get it right, what did Jesus see in Peter? Jesus saw A rock. Jesus saw someone who would one day be the guest speaker at Pentecost. When others see you or when you see yourselves, I came here today to tell you, God sees more in you than you see. God's view of you is different than you think. God has put more in you than you realize. Number one, God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. Verse 14, I love what God says to Gideon. Go take a class and get ready for this calling. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. Um, go enroll in Votech so you can be prepared. No? Go read a book. No, what does God say? God says go in the what? God says go in the... Strength you have. Go in the strength I've already given you. Go go in the strength that you already have. Am I not sending you? You go and use what I have already given you. Go in the strength that you have. There are some of you today All you hear is the negative message from your inner me. I don't have what it takes. I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I want you to know that God has given you more than you think. There is more inside of you. You have everything you need to do everything that God wants you to do. I am living proof that God put more in me than I ever even imagined. I'll give you an example. Um, When I was growing up, I really struggled with reading comprehension. I'd have tutors and such, and because of that, and because a teacher told me when I was like in the third grade, you're not a good writer, I just assumed I'm not a good writer. I don't have the ability to write. And so my mom, who was an English teacher, would proof every paper that I wrote all the way up until I graduated high school. The truth is, and I had to ask her permission to tell you this, the truth is, you ready for this? She wrote most of my papers. She did, okay? I asked her, I said, Does that embarrass you? She said, Oh no. She goes, We were really good together. Don't you remember? We won awards. I was like, Yeah. I had a sixth, I'm in a sixth grade class and my mom's writing the papers. Of course we won awards, you know? But I, in, in the back of my mind the whole time, I'm going, I'm going to college and my mom's not going with me. I'm Screwed, you know, I don't know how to write. And so in college, I bartered. I'd, do, I'd help people with their math and they'd proof my papers. And so I graduated college, graduated seminary. I'm busy being a pastor, and years go by. Well, a publisher comes by and says, We like your message and we'd like to help you publish a book. And I said, Thank you very much, but I'm not a writer. I'm a speaker, I'm not a writer. I'm a lover, I'm not a fighter. Okay, <laughs> see, I'm a Fighter, sometimes, but, but you know what well, I'm saying? I'm, I, I speak, I don't write. And the publisher said, We really want you to do this. I'm like, No, I do not write. I don't write. And the publisher said, We'll hire you an editor to help coach you. And so I said, Okay, if you'll, if you'll coach me and help me, I'll do it. Well, I got this editor, his name was Brian, he's really helpful. And I kept trying to write, I, I couldn't get a page done. Because I was so hard on myself. I was so afraid to send it to him. Like, he's not going to like it. He's going to put a punctuation, and that's supposed to be a semicolon. Like, I didn't know how to do that stuff. So I was so afraid. So, what Brian said is, um, he spoke in a language I understood. He said, What I want you to do is, I want you just to vomit on the page. Okay? I know how to vomit. I'm good at vomiting, I've, I really am. I can. I can smell poop and vomit just like that. I can vomit. And so he said, I just want you to just type as fast as you can. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about paragraphs. Just type for two hours and then send me what you, what you wrote. And so for two hours, i like, And I typed out um, literally about a chapter's worth of content, sent it to Brian. He picked up the phone and he called me He said, did you really just do this much in two hours? I said, yeah, and he said, it is the most amazing, high-quality work in that short period of time I have ever seen in my entire life. He said, I don't know what you've been believing, but you actually are a writer. And you know, thank you for that little golf clap, those of you here, <laughs> because what, what you need to understand is, for 30 some odd years, 30 some odd years, I had no idea that that was in me. Now, I'm not the best quality writer, but, Every editor I've ever worked with said I'm the fastest they've ever seen. I, people say, how do you have time to write? Well, it's like now therapeutic for me. Some guys go play golf, some guys work on cars. I go and work with words, and, and it comes out so easily. I've written this book, I've written another book to men, I've written one to, on marriage. They're just sitting there because publishers can't publish them. It just, it, it, I'm telling you, when I hold up a book like this, it says, become who God says you are, is more emotional to me than you can imagine because I didn't believe it was possible. And now this is an outlet, and expression of what God has put in me that I didn't even know was there. There's someone here, you need to hear this because there's more in you than you realize. God put more inside of you than you realize. I love what Scripture says. This is so powerful. Scripture says this in, in 2 Peter 1, 3, that God's divine power has given you You what? Everybody, I want everybody to say this aloud. His divine power has given us everything we need. Is God holding anything back from you? No, he gives you everything you need for what? For life and godliness. Through what? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. It's in our knowledge of him that he gives us everything that we need. Don't you dare believe what somebody else said about you. Don't you dare believe those negative messages that your inner me continues to tell you you can't. God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. But I'm not a stage person. I'm more a behind the scenes. Jesus said, yeah, and the behind the scenes, those who serve, those are the greatest. You may be the greatest in the kingdom of God, and you don't even know it. Well, I'm not a six-figure guy. I'm not earning six figures. Listen, you may be home with your children six nights a week, and that's far greater and will make a bigger difference than what you earn as you invest your life into your children. Well, I'm just, I never know the right thing to say. Some people, they just say the right thing. I'm just, I'm good at listening, but I'm not good at really, really saying things. Listen, More lives have been changed by a good listener than by people who just mouth off. Listening, it's a gift from God, and your presence can represent God's presence. God has given you more than you think. Don't you ever insult God by talking about what you don't have. God has given you everything you need to do everything that God wants you to do. Does anybody feel this inside? Let it go deep down within your heart. God has given you, number one, more than you think. Number two, God's view, uh, god is number one, God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you could think. And number three, are you ready for this? It's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. This is what the Lord said to Gideon. The Lord said in verse 16, I will be what? Everybody, you in Albany, New York, say it with me. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. God says, I will be what? He says, I will be with you. Do you remember when the angel appeared to Gideon at the very beginning? The angel said, the Lord is what? Do you remember? He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It was less about Gideon and more about God's power than Gideon ever realized. Listen to me, when God calls you to do something, it's more about the presence of God than it is about your own power. It's more about his strength than it is about your strength. It's less about you than you think. That's why as a believer, we take our ego and we lay it down at his altar. So we will not be who others say we are. We will not be who we wrongly think we are, but we will become who God says we are. We lay it down. It's less about us than we think. I told you earlier that I feel very inadequate to be a pastor, and I do because I am inadequate. Totally am. I know my behind the scenes, okay? and uh, I'm not good enough. The good news is, it's less about me than I think. And here's what I do. Um, every week uh, when I preach, I get very nervous before the first service when I preach on Saturdays. Every week, people say, do you still get nervous? Absolutely. freaking I still get nervous, every single time. I used to throw up, I told you I'm good at throwing up. It's a gift, I used to throw up in a bucket Every time before I preach, I get that nervous, okay? I don't do that anymore. Now I just throw up in my mouth and I swallow it, and I'm good to go. Well, not really, I don't do that. But I get, I get, my hands are ice cold, there's poor circulation. I just have to get alone. I have to just pray, 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 because I feel inadequate. But here's what I do, and this is, this is you, if, you, if you're at my campus, you'll see me do this. Every time before I speak, it's very meaningful to me. What I do is before I start, I take a step forward every single time. And I do that to say that I'm stepping out of Craig Rochelle into the calling of God. Because it's really not about me. It's really about him. And when I step into his calling, I step into his strength His power, His goodness, His grace, because it's less about me, and it's more about Him. And that's how I can do what He calls me to do, and that's how you can do what God calls you to do. But I'm not good enough. No, step into His grace. Well, I'm not smart enough. No, step into His power. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Well, I'm not as as pretty as she is. Hey, step into your calling. You've got something she doesn't have, and you've got a calling that she doesn't have. Well, I'm never going to be adequate as a parent. No, you step into what God has called you to do. If he calls you, he will equip you. You have everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. Well, I, I I can't get it all done. Well, step into his strength and let him do it through you. You are not who others say you are. You are not who your inner me says you are. You are who God says you are, and he says you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared a long time ago for you to do. So you lay down your inadequacy at the altar. You kneel down and sacrifice that before God. And when you stand up, You stand up and be who God called you to be because God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think and is less about you than you think. It's really all about him. Father, we pray today that your spirit would minister faith, hope, and healing in the hearts of all of us who have battled with the deep feelings of inadequacy. As you pray today at all of our different churches, um, I'm guessing almost all of you can relate to me. For me, it's the performance. Am I going perf- to live up to their expectations? Can I do it? Others, it's more internal. I, I don't like the way I act sometimes. I don't like the way I look. I don't feel like I'm godly enough or good enough. Those of you today that would say, I do battle with some feelings of inadequacy, and just by faith today in prayer, I want to just symbolically lay those down at his altar. And I want to become not who I think I am, not who others have told me that I am, but I want to become who you, oh God, say that I am. All of our churches, that's your prayer today, would you lift up your hands right now, just lift them up high, all of our different churches, and say that's my prayer. Hands up all over the place. God, thank you today for those who are um, having a change in their hearts. God, I thank you today for those who are going to step into your grace, step into your calling, step into what you see and say about them. God, by faith today, I believe they would lay down all of those false beliefs, and that your word, God, would renew their minds with truth. And God, that they would be filled with hope, that you see more in them than they see in themselves, that you've given them more than they even realize. And God, ultimately, it's less about them, and it's really all about you. So we step into your plan. God, I thank you in advance for all the different things they're going to discover that you've called them to do, that they are capable of doing, because you've given them the strength they need and the power they need to do everything you call them to do. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I know there are those of you that have deep feelings of, of inadequacy when it comes to God. I know for me, um, I was a guy that believed in God growing up, but I looked at my life and all the doubts that I had and all the horrible things that I'd done, and I thought, hey man, I, I just, I'm not even anywhere close to being eligible for God's love or to be good enough for for heaven one day. And I had this real sense of guilt. I think most all of us, when we're honest, we realize our behind the scenes are pretty dirty, pretty ugly, and we feel um, spiritually inadequate. And I wanna just kinda confirm your feelings and say we all are incredibly, grossly, spiritually inadequate before a holy God, every single one of us. Our sins are so filthy before God, we don't, even, we don't come anywhere close to his standard of perfection. And this is why the story of God's love is so amazing. That God loves you still. Even though we don't deserve it, God loves us. And his love for us is so incredible that he became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus, who was without sin, but became sin for us on the cross, as he shed his blood, died, and rose again, so that we who are sinners, we who are inadequate, we who are far from God, when we call on him, All our sins will be forgiven, and we will be made brand new, totally and completely new. we would be filled with the Spirit of God so we could connect with him and serve him faithfully on earth. At all of our different churches today, there are those of you that you realize there's a big gap between where you are and where you should be. Jesus covers those sins. He makes up the difference. He will be your savior, he will be your Lord, and he will empower you to become who God says you are. At all of our different churches, those of you who would say, I need him, I need his grace, step into it today. Step out of your sins, step into his grace, and say, yes, Jesus, take my life. I give it to you. If that's you, lift your hands high right now. All over the place, lift them up, leave them up, if you will. Right here, both of you guys in this section. Sir, right back over here, and you as well, ma'am, right over here. God bless you guys. Way back here in the middle section, both of you guys back here together. Praise God for you here in this section. Oh, my goodness, this almost this whole row right here. Praise God for all of you guys. Others today who say, yes, count me in. Right back there, sweetheart. Church Online, you click right below me. Others today who say, yes, I call on him. Everybody, will you just now pray with those around you? Pray aloud, Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died and he rose again so I could know you and I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could be who you say I am. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Would somebody go crazy in the presence of God and welcome those born into God's family today?